If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, verse 15. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last week, I gave the first part of a sermon on the moral law. Today is the second part, the final part. And it's centered around the gospel passage from our life of our Lord, the rich young man, our Lord's encounter with him. What can we say about this man, this rich young man? We know that he is young, not just because we are provided that information by the evangelists, it's all in all four Gospels. But because the man displays that naive eagerness, that exuberant impatience, so native to the young. The writers tell us that he ran up to Jesus. He did not walk. He did not strut. He did not saunter. He did not pace. He did not take his time. He ran. He runs and falls to the knees before Jesus in the midst of the crowd. No doubt, he had heard our Lord several times before and had mulled over in his mind what he had said. He also probably had discussed it with his friends who, like him, were interested in talking about such important things. Hearing that Jesus is in the neighborhood, the young man leaves what he's doing and runs to Jesus, lest he should miss the opportunity to discuss with such a learned rabbi the ultimate question of life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The key question of the moral life. This is a question heard in all our hearts, although some of us may try to silence it. We drown it with alcohol, but it is there. We bury it with money in our possessions, but it is still there. We numb it with sensual pleasures, but it is still there. The question still abides and gnaws, gnaws, gnaws inside our heart. What must I do to gain eternal life? Our blessed Lord's response it's clear and unequivocal. If you wish to enter life, keep the commandments. On the night before he gave himself up for us on the cross, he said to his apostles, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you want to save your soul, if you desire heaven and 
not hell. Obey God's laws. Christ did not come to obliterate or weaken the Ten Commandments. He came to broaden them and deepen our understanding of them. When the young man kneels before Jesus, he salutes him. Good teacher, he says. And our Lord retorts, why do you call me good? Only one is good. God alone. For this rich young man to refer to Christ as good was unheard of. No rabbi was ever addressed as good. The rabbis had said, only the law is good. Only the law. But this rich, this young man, obviously aware of the rabbinical teaching, calls Christ good, nonetheless. The young man is unknowingly attesting to two things. First, that Jesus is God. Secondly, that Jesus is the law. It is here that the transformation of the law is seen, it, its elevation. No longer, no longer is the law written on two hard, lifeless tablets of stone. They are now embodied in crucified and the risen flesh of Christ. They are engraved in his feet, written on his hands, etched in his side. The moral law is not capricious. The law by which we are to live our lives is not determined by each individual, but rather is the blood and flesh and blood person, Jesus Christ, both the law and the lawgiver. The young man, if he was seeking out wisdom from some wise man, had come to the wrong person. Here was not a Socrates. Here is not a Buddha or a Confucius, but God, who would not give him a discussion on the topic, but rather deliver him the truth. St. Paul says in Romans 10:4, For Christ is the end of the law, that everyone who has faith may be justified. The rich young man boasts that he has kept the law ever since he was a small boy. He overlooks the fact that the law is standing before him. That in Christ the law had reached its fulfillment. That he, in the words of the Catholic Catechism, releases their hidden potential. The law of Christ, again according to the Catechism, proceeds to reform the heart, the root of all human acts. For man chooses between the good, the pure, and the impure.
where faith, hope, and charity are formed, and with them the other virtues. Because he had kept the law ever since he was a boy, Jesus looked on him with love and wanted him, he wanted to bring him to the fulfillment of the law himself. According to one prominent biblical scholar, the Greek word used for love in this passage would suggest that Christ made some loving gesture towards this young man. So we can see Jesus placing his arm around the man and saying to him, Son, one thing you lack. Go sell what you own and give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. Jesus was saying, To gain eternal life, you must obey the law. To obey the law, you must obey me. To obey me, you must follow me. To follow me, you must let everything else go. The scriptures tell us that the lad walked away from Jesus. Sad. Because he had many possessions, including his own will, and could not part with them. First, he ran to Jesus, eager and full of life and anxious and joyful. Now he walks away, sad, because he would not accept him. When Pope John Paul II visited America for the first time, his first speech was in the rain on Boston Common. And he spoke about the rich young man. In that homily, he said, everywhere young people are asking important questions. Question on the meaning of life, on the right way to live, on the scale of values. What must I do? What must I do to share everlasting life? To each of you I say, heed the call of Christ. When you hear him saying to you, follow me, walk in my path, stand by my side, Remain in my love. Faced with problems and disappointments, many people will try to escape from their responsibility, escape in selfishness, 
escape in sexual pleasure, escape in drugs, escape in violence, escape in indifference and cynical attitudes. I propose to you the option of love, which is the opposite of escape. Some years ago, Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, issued an historic and encyclical on the moral law, Veritati Splendor, on the splendor of truth. He begins his letter by placing his teaching in the context of the story of the rich young man. He emphasizes that obedience to the laws of God is a willingness to follow Christ. It is not merely a question of heeding or obeying commandments, but clinging and holding fast to the person of Jesus. Traditionally, the following of the moral law has been called the sequela Christi, the following of Christ. But in having Jesus, we cannot hold on to anything else. We must let go. We must be free. Ask yourself this. When you commit a sin, does it free you or does it not imprison you? Repentance frees. We must let go. We must be free. Repentance frees. Submission to the law of Christ liberates. At the conclusion of his sermon on Boston Common, the Holy Father said to all of us, to all of you, I extend in the name of Christ the call, the invitation, the plea, come, come and follow me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.